mess with you. Amen? And grow. Just allow the Holy Spirit to do something and perhaps change your attitude or your perspective today. That's what coming to church is all about. You've heard me say we don't come to church to show, we come to grow, right? This is not about just, you know, punching a card or, or, or being here and just kind of going through the motions, but this is, this is a time to grow, to allow the Holy Spirit to do something on the inside of each one of our lives and grow. Now, in our last series, I've mentioned this, um, our last series was all about quiet the riot, and we were silencing the voices that try to destroy us. But in this series, we're not trying to silence the voice, we're trying to tune in to the voice. We're trying to, we're trying to tune in to God's voice, just like that, that, that GPS or the Garmin was trying to get the guy to follow directions. Uh, how many of you know God wants to give us directions in our lives? And oftentimes we ignore him and we kind of, you know, just go through the motions, we do our own thing and he's speaking. Um, so God wants to speak to us. And so we've been talking about really how to know and how to understand God's will for our lives. How, 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 what are some of the things that are important if we're going to determine what God's will looks like? And we talked about three aspects of that. We talked about it's important for us to understand the sovereign will of God. It's important for us to understand the written will of God. And it's under, important for us to understand when we do those two things, eventually we'll start to understand the personal will of God, say. But if we don't commit to the sovereign will and the written will, then chances are we'll never really understand God's personal will for our lives. And I, you've heard me say this. We've got to first commit to the general will of God, say. This is the general will of God, right? Everyone see this? What is, it? What is this? That's the Bible, right? That's the general will of God for our lives. It's, it's true for all of us, right? Um, and as we commit to the general will of God, we'll start to begin to understand the personal will, or God will make it clear that his personal will for our lives, okay? And so I, I think it all starts with understanding the basics, just basic things in Scripture it, it starts with understanding those. And so we've been talking about what is God's will for our lives? What does that look like? And don't you wish you could just kind of pick up your cell phone and dial a 1-8-8 number or a 1-800 number and, you know, just say, okay, God, what's, what's up, right? What's up? What do you got for me? Um, but it's, it just that doesn't work that way. It's just not that easy. God doesn't have one of those numbers, right, that you just call. Um, so that's why last week we talked about learning how to seek him because Jeremiah says when we seek him with all of our heart, we will what? Find him. See, God plays this little hide and seek thing, you know, that when we seek him with all of our heart, then he'll, he'll make sure that we find him. And so I found out that God really wants to talk to us. God, actually, he really does want to talk to us. As a matter of fact, he already is talking to us. And our job is to listen, right? Our job is to, to listen and pay attention. And uh, as a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, see to it that you do not refuse him who what? Who what? who still speaks. Notice, notice he is still speaking. 
The question is, is are we listening, right? That's the question. It's just like the guy in the, in the, in the car. He wasn't listening to his GPS guy, right? He wasn't listening to the directions. And in John chapter 10, verse 27, it's there in your notes. Um, this would be a great, great verse for you to memorize. My sheep do what? They listen. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It goes on to say, in the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. In other words, they know, they know my voice. They, and I, I shared last week, we've got to train ourselves to, to learn to know God's voice. And next week, just so you know, because there's all sorts of people that do crazy stuff, horrible stuff, all in the name of God told me, right? I mean, you hear it on the news all the time. And, you know, people do horrible things. They say, well, God, God told, spoke to me to do this. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And so next week, we're going to be talking about how you actually test those things. Because there's ways to test what you think you're hearing to make sure that it is God and not some, the pizza you had last night or whatever, you know. And you think all of a sudden you should go out and do these things. And so um, we're talking about just basically listening. And that's the goal of this series. And, and, and last week, we talked about a couple of things. And uh, the whole idea was to get you to commit to following God's plan for your life, to get you to listen to his voice, and to, then to get you to obey his plan for your life. Those are three things that, that we're hoping that this series will challenge us on, say, to just simply get you to follow, to listen, and to obey what God has for you. And then last week, I shared some basics with you that I think is important. I'll just simply recap it, and we'll jump into this week. Um, last week, I talked about if we're going to follow God's will, if we're going to hear His voice, we need to eliminate the distractions in our lives. How many of you know we've got a lot of distractions in our lives? We've got a lot of crazy, busy stuff going on. Our, our lives are, are nuts sometimes. We're just running in all sorts of different directions. And, and even Jesus, how many think Jesus is a pretty good example? Huh? Well, there's three of you. Uh, how many of you think Jesus is a pretty good example? Yeah. So, so uh, look, look at this verse. Jesus had to eliminate some distractions. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, but Jesus often, everyone say often, often withdrew to lonely places and did what? He prayed. Notice that. He often, often got away to a lonely place. In other words, he was trying to eliminate his distractions because he had a pretty busy life too. And he got away, he just, he just grabbed a moment, a Sabbath, a Selah, if you will, and he got away to a lonely place or by himself to pray, to seek God, to hear his voice. The second thing is we just simply uh, talked about last week is to listen to God's voice. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a what? A voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I don't know if if, uh, you know, those of you that are here, I know we've got some millennials, we've got some boomers, we've got all sorts of different Xers, but I don't know if uh, many of you remember the whole CB fad of the 60s and 70s, kind of trickled into the 80s, depending on who you are, but you remember stuff like, you know, 10-4, good buddy? Anybody remember that? Yeah, 10-4, good buddy, put the pedal to the what? 
put, put the pedal to the metal, or what's your 20, right? What, what's your 20, or you got a she-bear on the 24-mile marker, you know? I don't know if you remember that stuff. Or here, here's one, we probably all know this one, you got your what? Got your ears on. Got your ears on, right? Yeah, I remember that. And what did that, what did that mean? Can you hear me? It's kind of like the Verizon commercial. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? In other words, are you listening? Right? Are you listening? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And the Scripture actually says something very, very close. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. He, well, we all have ears. <laughs> I've got two big ones. <laughs> Yeah, we all have ears. What is he talking about? Well, in other words, do you have spiritual ears? Do you, do you, are you able to listen spiritually? Because some things are only spiritually discerned, see? And you have to have spiritual ears to hear spiritual things. And so that's really what we're talking about. And then the third thing I talked about last week was just simply cooperating with the Holy Spirit, cooperating with what God says. But you can't just listen. There's another part of that equation, and that is you simply need to learn when you hear what God is saying, whether it's through the written Word of God, okay? You, when you hear what God's saying, that you commit to obedience, Right? You commit to obedience. Look at this verse with me in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, look at this verse. It's one of my favorite areas of Scripture in the Bible. And, of course, you've heard me say that about a lot of Scriptures in the Bible <laughs> because I love the Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, Therefore, everyone who, help me now, who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And it goes on and talks about, you know, the winds came and it didn't knock the house down and so on and so forth. And in other words, in other words, this verse is saying that your life will be stable and solid. When we build our lives on the Word of God, our lives are stable and solid. How many of you want a life like that? In other words, when the circumstances of life come, problems of this world, cares of this world, all of the things come, and they will, they're storms, they'll come, they'll come. It's, it's, it's guaranteed, it's going to happen. When they come, um, it won't blow your house down like the three little pigs, okay? It will, it will stand the test. It will stand the test of time. It will be stable and strong. Who to who? The wise man. What does the wise man do? He what? Hears and he does what? Practices it. He puts it into practice. He does. Right? I, I was thinking about this yesterday as I was just meditating on this verse and and I, I kind of, I heard, here do, here do, here do. <laughs> and, and it almost sounds like hairdo, right? It's not hairdo, it's here do. Here do. And, and so what am I talking about? It's hear, hear the word, and do what it says. Just say, everyone say hairdo. Hairdo. It's just a simple reminder of the idea and the principles and the concepts that the Scripture talks about for us to be a wise man. 
How many of you want to be wise men and women? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Well, earlier in the scripture, it talks about being a foolish man, one who hears stuff, just like you're hearing today, and does not put them into practice. In other words, you're a hearer, but not a doer. God wants us to be a hearer and a doer, say. See, when we do that, and you've heard me say this before, information, that's the hear, do. Information plus application. In other words, we put it into motion. We hear, we hear a message on forgiveness, and we forgive people. We don't go, yeah, yeah, oh, that, that sounds good. I, we, I should probably do that. No, you do it. You do it. You put it into action. You put it into practice. See? You hear, you hear a word on love, like loving your wife as Christ loved the church, instead of saying, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. No, you do it. You put it into practice, right? Same thing with give. When the Bible says give, you, you say, oh, that sounds pretty. No, you do it. See? If that's the case, then the Bible teaches us that we'll be a wise man and we'll be solid and stable. So let's talk about this week. Let's talk about markers on the road. Markers on the road. When God speaks, really that's what we're talking about, the voice. When God speaks, there are certain predictable stages that will happen in our life. Markers on the road. I want to draw your attention to a portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 20. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Or you can open your apps up and look at that. Obviously, you can look at your notes um, or look on the screen. But I'd encourage you to underline some things and take some good notes today. Acts chapter 20, let me give you some context just a little bit. The Apostle Paul is leaving Ephesus after planting a church there. The Apostle Paul. See, an an apostle is a church planter, okay? And he, he shares a very emotional, heartfelt speech here, and he gives us some insight into the four stages uh, of, of life that will happen when we are committed to God's will, we hear his voice, we know what he's saying, and all of a sudden it's time to move out. Check this out. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now, compelled, you may want to underline that word. We'll come back, circle back there in a little bit. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing, you may want to underline that, what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit, you may want to underline the Holy Spirit, warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. You may want to underline those two words, prison and hardship, are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may do what? Finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Interesting, very interesting. See, I, I think in this, this passage, you're going to see these four stages pop out that will absolutely happen when you and I are committed to following God's will for our lives. And not just starting it, but finishing it, okay? So first of all, the first of the four stages is the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing that happens. The Holy Spirit 
prompts us. How many have ever had that happen, where the Holy Spirit prompts you? And he does that oftentimes through the inward voice or the inward witness, impressions, right? Uh, and, sometimes, and sometimes he will actually cause a particular word in Scripture to jump off the pages of your Bible, and you know, everyone say you know, you know there's something more to it that God is speaking to your life right now. Come on, amen? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and you're just, you've read that maybe a dozen or more times, or maybe a hundred times, and all of a sudden you read it, and it's like the Holy Spirit creates this aha moment, this yet, like, the lights come on in Georgia kind of thing. This aha moment uh, that you know is specifically for your life and you feel like God is saying something to you that you cannot ignore and you, you need to, to, to do that. It's called the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's the first stage. And the best way I can describe it is you can't see it, maybe you can't touch it, but you know that it's there. You know it down in your knower. <laughs> in your knower. It's back in the day when I was first being exposed to Starbucks, you know, back when they first came out and they were starting to develop, you know, things all over the country and in the airport stores. Um, I had this, this extra sense, extra sense <laughs> of Starbucks. And I'd be going through an airport and I could... I could tell, I knew, I was compelled. <laughs> I, was, I knew there was a Starbucks somewhere, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I felt compelled to go there. <laughs> Vicki will tell you how many times we went out of our way to go to a Starbucks. Matter of fact, um, she would, you know, I'd have her, because I was driving, put it in her GPS and find the closest Starbucks when we were traveling on the interstate, and we'd feel compelled. <laughs> Not we, she says, not we, <laughs> not we. And see, Paul said that. He said, he said and now, in, in verse 22, he says, and now, everyone say that word together, what? Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. In other words, he had his marching orders. The prompting of the Holy Spirit, he was compelled. He just didn't decide. I'm just decided I'm going to Jerusalem, right? No, he was being led by the Spirit. Everyone say led by the Spirit. He's being led by the Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. He was being led by the Spirit. The word compelled means literally to be wrapped up with cords, okay? To be wrapped up with cords until you're almost dragged is the visual here, okay? Almost like a lasso and then a drag. That, that word compelled has that kind of tension in it, in the Greek. Wrapped up, wrapped up and compelled, dragged. In other words, you feel like something is compelling you, pulling you. The power of the Holy Spirit is doing that on the inside of you. You are wrapped up by the Spirit of God. We used to say wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in Jesus. Does anyone remember that? Come on. Yeah, you had to be around for a while. <laughs> it's almost like being pregnant, right? It's uh, with a vision. 
just, you feel compelled. You feel this wrapped up or compelled, this vision on the inside of you. I must go to Jerusalem, he said. I've got to do this. God is compelling me. The Holy Spirit is at work. I'm pregnant with this vision. I've got to go do something there. See, vision is the acute sense of the possible. In other words, he began to see God needed him there to do a particular work. Vision is the ability to see what others do not yet see. In other words, he saw something. In that word, he was compelled. He saw something about the will and the work of God. And and as your pastor, I I feel like I'm compelled, I'm pregnant uh, here with the idea that God has called us as a church to make a radical transformation here in this city. And, and to do the work and the will of God, the great work that God has called us to here. Job said it. He said this. He said, for I am full of words, and the Spirit within me compels me. There it is again. Compels me. Inside, I'm like a bottle, a bottled up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. And hopefully, you've experienced something like that in your Christian walk where you've experienced something bubbling on the inside of you. If you haven't, perhaps you're committed to a religion, not a relationship. Perhaps you've never been legitimately born again, where you've surrendered your whole life to the Lord. Or maybe you're a Christian, but you need the Spirit of God inside of you to stir you with something that comes alive on the inside of us, stirred and shaken. I, I, I was going to pick up a can of Coke and, and, you know, shake it and open it and let you see what stirred means. Just, it, it, it's got to come out, see. <laughs> you can get the image. You know what I'm talking about. It's got to come out. That's, that's what being compelled really means. Well, how do I get stirred and how do I get shaken? And how, how does that all happen? How does it, how does it work? Listen, You can do that when you read God's Word. You can do that when we worship, just like we did a moment ago. You can do that when you you pray, and you fast, and you seek, and you give, and you surrender. You can actually be stirred and shaken. Years ago, back in 1978, my grandfather had moved out of his mobile home and into a retirement center, and it was vacant for a period of a few months. And I felt compelled, Vicki will tell you this, I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to go and to fast for seven days and just drink water and read my Bible and write notes. And for seven days, I got away and fasted. And you can, you can get stirred and shaken by fasting, see? And, and I fasted, and, and God began to speak into my heart things that are yet not finished. So many things have been completed, but things today that are yet not finished. In that one week, seven days, God stirred me. He wants to stir you as well. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. He wants to stir you. He really does. He wants to stir you with fresh vision in your heart and your life for your family and for your direction for your life. Listen, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. 
Now, that's not just true for a ministry. That's true for a life. That's true for a family. Amen? So, question. I want to ask you some questions today. Question. Is God stirring me? If not, perhaps you need to commit yourself to some of those things that I talked about so God can stir you, spending time, more time in his word. Talked about last week, taking a day off just to read his word and pray and hear from heaven. Wow. And you don't have to be a pastor to do that. You can do that. You can do that. Whoever you are, you can do that. Just spend time with God, letting him speak into your heart about your life, about your family, about your future. The second stage that that we'll go through after the Holy Spirit prompts us and gives us direction is the thing that I call certain uncertainty. (laughs) There's going to be some certain uncertainty when you go into the will of God. In other words, God never, ever gives us all the information we need right off the bat. You know what I'm talking about. He gives you just enough information that will require a step of faith. She's excited about the word. (laughs) As I said, he gives you just enough information that will require a step of what? Everyone say faith. Faith. Faith, yeah. I mean, this is where God's will feels a little wobbly. You know, remember those weebles wobble, what the, but they won't go down? Remember those? Feels just a little wobbly, a little uneasy. You know God wants you to do something, but you don't have all the details. Matter of fact, Paul said this in Acts 20, verse 22. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. What's the next two words? <laughs> Not knowing. Not knowing what will happen to me there. In other words, he was compelled to do something, but he didn't know all the details. He just knew it was supposed to happen. See, you want to take a step of faith, but you feel uncertain. See, notice Paul said, I am going not knowing. I'm going not knowing. Vicki and I had that same experience, uh, not just the first church we planted, but even this one. We, we felt called by God. We, had, we were compelled by the Holy Spirit almost 18 years ago to the weekend. Next weekend, it'll be 18 years that we moved to Madison and to plant this church, but we didn't know. We were going not knowing, right? Remember, Dave? Uh, we, we were, you know, we didn't know anybody here. I don't know if you did, but I didn't. Vicki and I didn't know anybody here. Then on top of that, the house didn't sell, and we were like, God, I thought you were calling us to Madison to plant this church, and it sort of created quite a dilemma. Do we move to Madison, or do we stay in Tulsa? Does the house need to sell before we move, and yada, yada, yada? See, we we didn't know. We were compelled, but we knew we were supposed to obey God and move out in faith, trusting Him. But you have to put those things to the test. Remember that. Next week, I'll talk about that, okay? So we were going, what? Not knowing all the details and uncertainty that existed. And then we get here and talk about uncertainty. We get here, Dave, you remember this? We, we didn't have a place to meet. Then we found a place and did all of our promo stuff. And 
you know, put all the print stuff out there and all the advertising for our new church. And then five weeks into it, the school contacted us and said, you got to move. <laughs> Hello. You know, you got to move. Uh, we're shutting down for the summer and you got to find another place to go because we need the space to do some uh, maintenance and stuff like that. And so here we are, you know, we've got all our, all of our money, if you will, into this stuff and this uncertainty of not knowing. Listen, it's a wonder we even survived. For real. Uh, but, but every juncture, every juncture we had to take a step of what? Faith. Uncertainty. Certain. It was, I promise you, if you, when you sense God's will and it legitimately is will, there's going to be some of this. That's just the facts. Certain uncertainty. God will lead you down a scary path sometimes. Okay? And you can't have everything perfect. It won't work that way. You got to learn to trust. Everyone say trust God. You have to learn to trust him. I'm not saying be foolish, foolish or presumptuous. I'm saying when you know the will of God, you've, you've, you've you know, screened it through the proper channels, you put it to the test, as we'll talk about next week, and you know that you know that you know, and you move out, there's going to be certain what? Uncertainty. See, why doesn't God give us all the information at one time? Because we can't handle it. Like, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> we can't handle it. And, and, and besides, besides, God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to learn how to trust him and walk by faith and not by sight. Not, not having, after we've had all the facts and everything's laid out perfect, oh yeah, okay, we can do that. No, that doesn't require faith. Amen? And God wants us to walk with him. Notice how Paul got used to uncertainty. And I'll just run through this real quick. 1 Corinthians 16. You have it there in your notes. See, he says, he got used to this. He said, after I go through Macedonia, I'll come to you for, I'll come to you for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps. See that uncertainty? <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, I, I'm used to this now. Perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my way, on my journey, wherever, once again, uncertainty, wherever I go. In other words, I don't have this whole thing figured out, but I am compelled by the Holy Spirit, right? I do not want to see you now. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope, there's that uncertainty again, I hope, to spend some time with you if, if the Lord permits. And then he goes on and say, talks about a great work that God has called him to. But he knew that there was going to be a certain amount a certain amount of uncertainty in this whole idea. There will always be some uncertainty to God's will. So stop waiting for all the answers, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we shall live by faith and not by sight. Second question for all of us. Second question, you may want to write this down. It's not in your notes. Where do I need to take a step of faith? What area of my life do I feel compelled to and what area of my life do I need to step out and take a step of faith? The third stage that I think we'll go through when we step out into God's will and we've heard his voice is predictable resistance. 
predictable resistance. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. In other words, the enemy wants to do everything in his power to stop us. Did you hear me? He wants to do everything in his power to stop us. Mark it down. He's going to do he's going to throw everything at you and the kitchen sink to stop you. It's going to happen. And, and, and Paul just sort of said, you know what? The Holy Spirit has warned me. In other words, get ready for it. It's, it's going to happen. He says, I know, verse 23, I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Notice it didn't say, so don't go. Did you hear me? It, just, it doesn't say don't go. It says he just, he's, he's letting me know that stuff is going to happen. See, some have interpreted resistance and hardship as the wrong way or out of God's will. God would never lead you into an area where you would have difficulties. Hogwash, right? Hogwash. No, he, he, listen, the Holy Spirit warned him, get ready, you're going to have some issues. You're going to end up in prison and there's going to be some hardship. It's going to happen. There's a cost, listen to me, there's a cost to doing the will of God. Missionaries all over the world are martyred for doing the will of God. There's always a cost, there's a price tag with it for doing God's will. And difficult times do not necessarily mean that you are out of the will of God. Early on in our Christian walk, we, we sort of had that image, you know, if there's ever any difficult times, it must mean we're out of the will of God. No. It's going to happen. In fact, in fact, it may mean that you're closer to him than ever. You read scriptures and then that will bear it out. As a matter of fact, if you haven't butted heads with the devil lately, chances are you may be walking with him. <laughs> right? And, and, and some of you have the idea that difficulties, you know, shouldn't be there. It shouldn't have, it's just part of life. Especially if you are advancing the kingdom of heaven. How I many of you know the enemy doesn't like you advancing God's kingdom? And he wants to do everything he can to throw things in your way to get you to back off and stop, right? And some of you, some of you have had no idea the difficulties Vicki and I have faced over the last 17 years to plant this church. And to grow. You, you, don't, you have no ideas, and I don't expect you to. You have no ideas of the sleepless nights and the tears and, and the hurt and the pain and the difficulty and sometimes the difficulty of even get out of, getting out of bed because you just want to quit sometimes. It, it, it just, it's, it takes its toll on you, say. And, and you know, the, sometimes the tears and the emails and the comments and the resistance and, 
and the threats and the, and the, you know, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of trying to advance God's kingdom and trying to continue to grow and make an impact, a transformational, transfer, a radical transformation in this city, in this church, in the lives of people. The enemy wants to do everything he can to stop us, right? But see, I've, I've come to understand it comes with the territory. It just, it's just part, just like the Apostle Paul. He said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God's called me to do. I'm not going to be stopped. Uh, the Holy Spirit has warned me that there's going to be stuff. He's, in other words, he's let me in on a secret. There's going to be stuff out there that's going to try and stop me. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, check this verse out. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. He stopped us. The stopped in the Greek means to literally cut a ditch. Cut a ditch. Have you ever been going somewhere and there was a road, the road had a ditch, you know, that was cut into it? We were in Florida this summer and, uh, or winter, and the hurricanes last fall had come through and on this peninsula had taken out a quarter of the island. It cut a ditch right through, took out the road and everything, cut a ditch. Guess what? It stopped everyone from continuing on. See, it stopped everyone from continuing on. And, and when you face a ditch in your life, you've got a couple of choices. You can go around it, and that's the way most people want to do. They want easy, not hard. Or you can go over it. In other words, you can be an overcomer. Everyone say overcomer. Overcomer. See, God doesn't want us to be derailed or stopped by the enemy, he wants us to persevere. He wants us to overcome. He wants us to trust him in the midst of all of it and find a way through it. Amen? To see his life fill us with everything that pertains to life and godliness according to the scripture and give us the capacity to overcome all of the obstacles that stand in our way and try to get us to back off and stop or quit. The third question I have for you is simply this. Where is the enemy attacking me? Where? In your mind? In your circumstances? And getting you to see things that aren't true, telling yourself a story? Where is the enemy attacking you? Where is he getting you to back off of what God has for you or compromise or lose out because of something you've let slip in? Where, where is the enemy attacking us? The final marker on the road for those who long to hear God's voice is uncommon clarity. See, when you press on and you press through, eventually comes uncommon clarity. When you focus on what God says and put aside the distractions, in other words, don't let them cut a ditch and stop you, and you put aside those distractions, you will start to experience uncommon clarity about your life, your family, your future. This is the kind of person that says, nothing is going to stop me. Come on. Nothing is going to stop me. I am not about to let anything derail me or stop me. It's a Holy Spirit boldness 
that comes on you and you just know that you know that you know that you are going to fulfill what God said and spoke into your heart and your life. See, you focus your whole life on doing God's will with a determination that keeps you going. Everyone say determination. determination. It's a determination that says, I will not be stopped. And Acts 20, 24 says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race. I don't know about you, but I want to finish this race. And complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Listen, God has so many things in store for us. God has so many things in store for you in your individual lives. But you have to learn, you have to learn in your life that you have to commit to not being stopped. You have to commit to not being derailed. You have to commit to not being, to not backing off, but to actually fulfilling what God has for you in your life. Nehemiah had so many obstacles in his life. I mean, he's out there fighting with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, <laughs> trying to rebuild the wall, right? Check this out in Nehemiah 6, verse 3. So I sent messengers to them. See, he was being messed with, with two guys, Samballad and Tobiah, and they kept trying to distract him from the work of God. And he said, I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. In other words, I'm not going to let you distract me. I'm not going to let you distract my life. I'm not going to let you get me off course. How many of you know if you're out in the sea and the winds and the waves come, they're going to try and throw you off course. And you have to learn how to adjust to those in the midst. You have to make midlife corrections or mid-course corrections. And I'm not going to allow people to distract me, he says. I'm not going to allow you, Sanballat, and you, Tobiah, to distract me from fulfilling God's work. See? See, God has things in store for us. And I found out that, that here's this last quote, and we'll close. I know it's late. Oh, I'm sorry. The fourth question is, what few things in my, life, in my life do I need to focus on? What few things in my life do I need to focus on? God wants to give you vision, and here's the big idea of the day. It's going to appear on the screen. You can write it down. It's blanks in your notes. When vision increases... Options decrease, making it easier to discern the will of God. When visioning increases, in other words, God starts to narrow it down and show you what you're called to do and what you're supposed to do. Options decrease. In other words, they, they get left off to the side, making it easier to discern the will of God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have the worship team come. talking about the voice, hearing God's voice, hearing from his heart, God speaking to us, God making his will known. If you missed the last two messages, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to them because they sort of set up what I talked about today. Let's just bow our heads for just a moment. talked about God wanting to 
to stir us. God wanting to show us. God wanting to make his will known to us. But before we can do that, we have to be committed to the general will of God, the written, the moral will of God, the book, the Bible. And how many of you would say this morning by a raised hand that I really feel like I'm challenged to get more into the word and really be committed to the written will of God for my life? Let me see your hands. Thank you. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. And how many of you here today would say, I've, I've really sensed, I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to do something, but I just haven't been obedient, and I just need to repent today. And, and I feel challenged to, to do a couple things in my heart. I feel like I need to take a step of faith. Let me see your hands. God bless you. God bless you over here. And last, perhaps you're here today and you say, you know what? When you talked about legitimately being born again, I've been somewhat religious, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would like to have that today. I'd like to leave here having that relationship with Jesus. And would you pray for me? If that's you, would you slip up your hand so I can see you? Let's just pray right now. Father, those hands are are individual people's lives saying, I feel challenged. I feel like my heart's been tugged to step up my commitment and surrender to you. And God, I'm asking you now to do a work in each of our hearts. Thank you for compelling us by the Holy Spirit to do various things in our lives. They're all different. Thank thank you, Father, that even in the midst of uncertainty, we can trust you. Even in the midst of hardship, we can still trust you. Keep our heart clean and pure and persevere. God, as we do those things, you give us just uncommon clarity. Start to see clearer the will of God before us. Father, I pray that that this church, the people that call NBC their home, that we would be committed to the will of God for our lives. we would be committed to the great work like Nehemiah was committed to the great work. Although he was surrounded by the enemy and he had a, a sword and he continued the work. So he continued to deal with the problem but didn't stop the work. God, we pray right now that that's us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and fill our lives with your presence. 
Fill us with your presence. Heal the hurt. Encourage us that we're not finished. And help us overcome and persevere and press on. And then not, not allow the ditches in our lives to cause us to turn back. In Jesus' name I pray.